episode three, episode three of Ain't Broke, Don't Fix Me, the podcast. I am so excited for this one. It has not been an easy ride putting this podcast together. <laughs> not one bit. I'll explain why in a second. We have guests on today's episode uh, and the episode is two parts put together we're putting the two parts together to make one nice big thing so um, a medley a podcast medley if you will uh if you've listened to episode one and two then you may have been expecting the opening music a lot of people have said to me they really enjoy the music as well just so you know that is written and produced by a good friend of mine nat blackburn she's amazing i was in bands with her for years and she wrote that piece of music and hopefully that's going to become a track for me so I'm going to introduce what's going to happen, play the track, and then we will go into the conversations with the guests, if that's all right with you. I was pretty adamant that I didn't want to start introducing guests without meeting them, purely because I was worried about sound quality, which, funnily enough, has been the biggest issue putting this podcast together. But also, I'm, I can be really awkward on the phone. Talking on the phone is not something I enjoy. If my friends ring me, I do let it ring. I watch them and I just let it ring. Obviously not that I would do that on the podcast, but I'm not good at it. But I pushed all, I've got better recently. So I've kind of pushed that insecurity aside and we've had two conversations. One with an incredible eight-year-old girl with ADHD and dyslexia who is doing some incredible things online, It has been nominated for some awards, is featuring in books, has interviewed MPs and famous artists. This girl's only eight years old, showing that you can do amazing things uh, whilst living with ADHD and dyslexia. Her and her mum share their journey on Facebook, Heidi and me, our neurodiversity journey. So I, ha- I had a conversation with them too, and that was brilliant. And then... I had a conversation with uh, Francesca Rinaldi, who is a Senko in a school uh, and a mum of an ADHD child and still an educational professional. So I, I really today's episode is ADHD in education. We're looking at neurodiversity within education. So we'll be looking at it from the child's perspective and the mum's perspective and then looking at it from the teacher's perspective as well. I have ADHD and I now work with children in two different settings. So from being that teenager who really emotionally struggled in school to now being an adult and seeing it from the other side, I now see all the amazing work teachers do to help assist children with neurodiversity. But I also see the continual struggle and fight to feel accepted within the ADHD child. Quite often, it's no secret that schools are really underfunded and teachers... And schools get a bad rap for not giving children the support they need. But we're going to shine a light on the positive stuff today because they are doing some amazing work. Uh, I'm a firm believer that the conversation surrounding ADHD should be encouraged. That's why I started this podcast in the first place. And and the reason I do spoken word uh, as well, because I love talking. I I love talking and I love being able to talk about something that is that has so many misconceptions surrounding it. So if you didn't listen to episode one, we spoke a little bit about the symptoms of ADHD. Don't worry if you didn't listen to episode one, we're going to do that now. So just to recap, the symptoms of ADHD are divided into two groups, inattentive 
and hyperactive slash impulsive. Some ADHD brains exhibit mostly inattentive behaviours and others predominantly hyperactive impulsive. But some people with ADHD, like me, are diagnosed with combined type, which is, which is a combination of the two, which can make it particularly challenging in school, at home, and all the way through to adult life. Just a reminder of some of those symptoms, ADHD, making careless mistakes, overlooking details, can struggle with being distracted, uh, trouble organising tasks, losing possessions, that could be school books and homework in, in childhood or later on in life, phone, keys, wallet, uh, often fails to finish projects they start, often avoids or resists tasks that require sustained mental effort, fidgety and twitchy, getting bored easily, having trouble being quiet, extremely impatient, always seems to be driven by a motor, talks excessively. Uh, there are loads more, but that's a little insight there. So yeah, I spoke to Heidi and her mum and I spoke to Francesca Rinaldi. Both conversations, I think, give a really positive insight into ADHD and a positive insight into ADHD in education because it's not as bad as what you hear. There's a lot of bad mouth in ADHD and the way it's handled in the press, but that isn't the case. I don't want to waste any more time. This episode is a really good one and it's taken a lot of blood, sweat and tears to put it together uh, because I spoke to Heidi and her mum over a video call and had some technical difficulties, so we, so we reworked that. Uh, but luckily, I was able to meet Francesca Rinaldi at a, at a perfect social distance because she happens to live nearby and we recorded our conversation. So you're going to hear that one first and then you're going to hear me chatting to Heidi and her mum. So you're hearing the teacher's perspective and then the child and the mother's perspective. I'm going to stop chatting now. So shut up, Emmy. Let's go. Play the track, Isabel, and enjoy Ain't Broke Don't Fix Me, the podcast, episode three, ADHD in education. Let's go. Francesca Rinaldi, who I really wanted to chat to Fran. Hi, Fran, by the Hi. way. I'm just talking as if she isn't here. She is. Um, I've got the pleasure of knowing Fran anyway, but this podcast is obviously about tackling some of the misconceptions surrounding ADHD and shining a light on some of the positive things. Today, we're talking about ADHD in education. Uh, so there was no one really else I could think of that would be more perfect for this episode. Uh, so Fran, you work as a uh, Senko in a school. Uh, for anyone who doesn't really know what that is, can you kind of briefly explain what that job is, what it entails, the kinds of things you do on a daily basis, that kind of thing? Um, yeah, so a Senko is a position in a primary school who um, oversees all the special educational needs provision within the, the school. Yeah. So daily I kind of, going to teachers, give them some advice, they'd come and ask me for some help. Yeah. We'd make plans up for different children, look at different behaviour plans, 
assess any children that may need other special educational needs, not just ADHD, obviously, like, you know, dyslexia, um, might be on the autistic spectrum, yeah. those kind of things. Brilliant. So, because we've spoken, obviously, I, I know you, but that you not only have experience with ADHD within work, but you've got ADHD within your family too. So, do you ever, like, because you see it from two different perspectives, because quite often I find that really difficult, that I have, like, a a battle with my head and my heart because obviously I've got ADHD so I really understand that struggle of like that fight to feel accepted but then I go into the workplace and see how others view ADHD so have you ever had that that difficulty with like understanding and, and having to come at it from two different angles does that make sense yeah no no I totally have like but I think with my experience with my son and my partner also has ADHD, right. it gives me that passion and that drive to make sure that the children don't get the sort of education that my partner did. Like, he didn't have a great time mm. at school. He was, like, locked in cupboards, you know, like, all those kind yeah, of things. Yeah. And when he tells me his stories, I'm shocked, and I don't want that for any child. Yeah. Not just with ADHD, with any special educational needs as well. And with yeah. my son, I've had to move his school because the last setting that he was in wasn't great for him, didn't have much understanding. Yeah. So I actually moved him into my school so I knew that I could oversee him. That's, yeah, and obviously, like, naturally, I think t teachers or anyone within an education, especially as you're a Senko, anyone within an education setting, quite often we get the, the bad rap of, of the... Because naturally, if you're a parent with an ADHD son or a child with mental health issues, you're going to want the best, you're going to have that fight and fire and passion for wanting the best for your child and them having an easy ride within school. And quite often, we, our hands are tied because totally. within a school, we can only do so much. Is it, do you often feel like you don't get to do all the things that you wish you could because either a lack of resources or it's no secret that schools are massively underfunded as Definitely. well so that must be tricky as well because you you want to help but more often than not you can't in the ways that you want to it comes from a funding side as well so obviously like you said it is very underfunded but i think when you're dealing with children with adhd it's a lot about your own mindset and your own experience yeah. so one of the things that does shock me is that if you go through teacher training you actually only have one day on sen yeah. that covers the whole of sen and you're kind of just thrown in the deep end because more than likely you will have a child with SEM, potentially yeah. ADHD, within your classroom. And it's all about getting that experience over year, over the years. And you need to make sure, I think a lot needs to be put more into training and the understanding of yeah. children with ADHD. And, you know, because it's hard as if you haven't got any experience with it at all, you start focusing on negative behaviours instead of positive behaviours. Yeah, totally. You know? Naturally, you do that as a parent with a child eventually, and as a teacher. Yeah, and I, like, people always find it shocking when I say this, like, if I'm doing a performance or I'm, I'm public speaking or something like that, and I always say that up until the age of 28, I'd never, ever met another girl or woman with ADHD. Like, I, so there was that constant battle of within myself of thinking, I know I'm different, but I've got no one to talk to about this because no one has... My mum was a great support and still is and, and obviously I've got really understanding friends and a great partner and all things like that but there, there, it's very hard to um, express your emotion and regulate your emotion when you've got nothing around you to comfort you and that's part of why I do what I do in, in this podcast is because it's really about 
there can never be too much conversation surrounding ADHD, I don't think, because I think it's so widely, there's so many misconceptions. It's very diverse as well, isn't it? Exactly. It's difficult as well because ADHD is often misdiagnosed and used as an excuse for bad behaviour. Totally. Not every high energy, anxious or impulsive child obviously has ADHD. It needs to be present in many, the symptoms need to be present in many settings. But have you, have you heard negative things towards ADHD as a condition? Well, I think a lot of it is in the press as well. Yeah. You get, you'll get a lot of negative things to all, within the press. Yeah. I heard, you know, parent perception is a big thing so for example the child of adhd they don't necessarily know he's got adhd but you can hear on the playground sometimes yeah that's the naughty child don't play with him kind yeah. of thing and um i with my own son's experience he struggled to make friends for a long time because he's got adhd and he's yeah. also on the autistic spectrum because they overlap right. don't they yeah of course so he has really struggled and i had to find a more understanding parent if that makes sense who yeah. then to let him go on play dates because yeah. i was too worried as myself I was too worried what other parents' perceptions of him would be. And I've actually got experience, and I'm a Senko, and I'm worried. Yeah. So imagine being a parent without that yeah. knowledge and without that, you know, um, look on, you know, view on life towards their child. It is quite a scary thing, the parental perception. Definitely. And I think that, that kind of... That can create real low self-esteem as well within the, within the child and moving through adult life. And I honestly think, because I absolutely hate change, I, I can't see myself ever doing a different... Even with doing this podcast, it made me nervous. It makes me feel physically sick before I'm about to start doing it, even though I love doing it, because the change of I don't know what to expect. And I honestly think that's the reason I may never change my job. I don't often go looking for new friends or try and have long conversations with anyone that I don't particularly know that well, because that that low self-esteem is really built in yeah. me that I've, I've got the people that know me and I'm scared to let anyone else in because I don't, I don't know how they're going to feel about me. And I honestly think that has come from... I was slightly later teenage years, but that comes from, from that, that difficulty of maintaining friendships and what other people said about me. Yeah. And really... And uh, like, like you said before, you were lucky because you've got a good support network. Exactly. Not every child no who has ADHD has got that good support network, especially at the home life, as we know. A lot of children with ADHD are from vulnerable backgrounds as well. Of course, yeah. And that's when, as a school, we need to pull together as much as we can to give schooling the best experience that child can have. Definitely. And be as positive as we can as possible. Yeah. What do you think needs to change within the education system when it comes to supporting SEN children or children with mental health conditions? I definitely think it's that understanding. Yeah. You know, that, that understanding of that child, that getting to know that child. Like I had a child in my class, but I'm allowed to talk about a child in my class. Go for it. I had a child in my class, and I think I had him in year three. And I'm quite laid back and chilled anyway. And obviously I had my son's experience, if you already mentioned. Yeah. He spent a lot of his key stage one, so from the ages of five to seven, in a lot of trouble. And, you know, whoever it, the teachers that he had prior to me didn't really understand his need. And then I got him in, in year three, and all he ever wanted to do, so he used to reenact himself as a different animal, so he would be a chicken, yeah. and he would be a cat, but other teachers would tell him to be quiet, but I just embraced yeah, yeah. that he was being a chicken, and he was happy to do his work just being a chicken. Yeah. But, you know, and we, we, it's we, just we, having that understanding and that knowledge, yeah. you know, that thing, if he wants to be a chicken, let him be a chicken. Yeah, we had the, we, I had this conversation with someone the other day, I can't remember who it was now, and we were saying that... So often we're taught that ADHD or even someone on the autistic spectrum 
is you know is a is a wrong way I'm doing wrong with my fingers up but a wrong way of thinking but actually it's just a different way of thinking that doesn't necessarily fit the outside world around us Definitely. so it's it's just a real shame that the majority of the of the population don't understand it and like you said it really comes back to that understanding because with more education and with more open conversations and understanding it would be a hell of a lot easier for everyone involved and my other biggest worry with education is secondary school yes i think primary school is a lot more nurturing children yeah. are a lot more accepting mm. you know you can get away with your odd behaviors yeah. or your impulsiveness as a child yeah that's like in my own son in his classroom but i really worry about when he goes yeah. to secondary school 100 percent. because we've spilt, spent so long we've, in my ethos in my school and as a senko mm. is to allow the children to embrace you know the way they're, they're different quirks they you know yeah in a, and just teach them to like you said regulate their emotions and you know yeah help them to kind of build up their self-esteem because yeah. like you said children with ADHD have very low self-esteem yeah and I'd, and I think when then we send them to secondary school uh, yeah I they totally get back get to that, that dependence on a one-to-one or they get put mm. into an isolation room yeah whereas in a primary school you're trying to build their independence the whole time yeah I try we try and make sure that we don't have a one-to-one with our children because we don't want them to become attached yeah you know and we it, don't we want them to build so they can you know deal with their emotions yeah. themselves but I, I would say regulating emotion is has always been the most difficult thing for me and I remember, because when I was at primary school, and my mum worked in the primary school I went to as well, so I think that was that extra comfort, there was never any sign of me having ADHD. I was, I was displaying all the symptoms of like just a normal, regular, neurotypical child with, yeah. with no real cause for concern. And it wasn't until I started secondary school and I had that real problem with regulating my emotion and I would... I was put on like you know school report always getting detentions for things like losing things turning up late for class forgetting things and these these aren't things that I'd so desperately wanted to learn and I had you know really big ambitions of what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be but I couldn't regulate my emotion and I always remember being 14 15 and being in an English lesson and, and physically not being able to regulate my emotion and, and leaving the classroom and going into the school toilets. And I went into the school toilets and I was hitting my head against the wall. I was crying and there were, I knew that people were outside and could hear me. And by the time I'd got to break time, it was like 300 people all talking about me and it was not only can I not regulate my emotions and I've got no one to talk to I'm now walking out to an audience of people who've got their own opinion who are all chatting shit behind my back do you know what I mean and that I didn't have any of those worries before and until I went to secondary school that's when it really sort of opened up a can of worms and I thought I can't, I can't cope like this. And I, and I get it, it's a secondary school and they're teaching lots of different students. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not all... I'm not saying it's the teachers, it's yeah. the system, I think. Yeah. That, that, that conforming system that you have to, you know, do this, get here at this time, do this. I get there's an aspect of that in life. Yeah. But there are always ways to help people manage it rather than focus on the negative behaviour. Yeah. And that's where I think it goes back in secondary school. Because in primary school, you're all positive. Yeah. You're not focusing on those behaviours that are negative so much. You're helping them find ways to organise themselves. 
and then they go to the big wide world and of secondary school where free. it's an extra 500 children or an extra 600 children yeah. and that support network goes I yeah. find I've previously mentioned about well we've spoken throughout this conversation about you having ADHD within your family what have you learned about ADHD or better still what have you like learned about life through being surrounded by the condition whether that's at work or in your personal life um, I have learned myself not to beat myself up if something I put into place for Joseph doesn't work. Yeah. Like, for example, I could put in a behaviour strategy when he was younger and it would last three days and I think, I've cracked him. Yeah. He's listening to me. He's doing what I want him to do. He's like, I'm going to melt down. And then he'll throw it back at me like three days later. Yeah. And I used to get really upset and I used to feel like, oh, what, what am I going to do? He's not listening to me. But then I've just realised to just take a really laid back approach yeah you know to all of it like even when adam comes in and he's had a bad day and he has a meltdown and he's 37 i just let him get on with it and just you know as, yeah. long, as long as everyone is safe and okay i'm all right but it has taught me so much like that like i love my son he's got such a beautiful soul it might not be the same soul as every other child yeah. but that's what makes him so unique like he's in he's He's obsessed with geography and volcanoes, and I embrace it. I take him to, I mm. took him to Bombay. You know, I'm lucky to be able to do yeah. those things. You know, I, want, I try and embrace every little quirk that he throws at me. Yeah, yeah. And like he likes, he, again, he likes to pretend he's an animal. Yeah. And he's often being a guinea pig, and we all play guinea pigs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I suppose like over time, like I've always said, my life with ADHD is just like a collection of, of. Equal, equal measures of beautiful, heartbreaking, hilarious stories. And yeah. that's the thing I kind of, I feel really lucky in some aspects is that I know that I'm going to, I'm going to get to the end of my life and I'm going to have like, just the most incredible, like every day is an, an event in my life. Definitely. Every day I've got a million and one things to tell or something funny has happened or something awful has happened. Like no day is just like easy, easy going and like just... I, I, I envy people sometimes because I think, oh, you, your life seems really easy, but then I can't imagine not. not. Yeah, I'm very 100 miles an hour like that as yeah. well because of what my... Yeah, I bet. Yeah, so do you, do you have like a particular moment or like a story that screams out ADHD or has really given you more of an insight or a sudden realisation of what it must be like in the brain of an ADHD person or even just something beautiful that your son has done or hilarious well i mean every day is really funny with joseph i'm just trying to think of one right now he does do it so um he does do lots of great things like for example he was worried about the um the contamination of air climate change so right. for about three months he slept with a clear plastic box over his head <laughs> <laughs> but we loved it i've got a picture of it actually if you like it <laughs> That's excellent. And he does like a little thing where he collects like, like so he likes bugs and things and he collects them and puts them under his bed. Yeah. Oh, actually, do you know what the best story is? Good. So we went away to a um, caravan park, like a haven or something, and he got made friends with a lemon, like a piece of lemon, you know, like at the bottom of a drink. <laughs> so he had this lemon and he called it Mr. Lemon. We left it on the side and obviously they'd cleared it up, so I had to go yeah. into the bar and pretend <laughs> that he'd be distraught. Like, I had to ask him for another lemon and explain the situation and he did look at me very bizarrely. So then I gave it to Joseph and Joseph kept it for about five days and he took it home. And um, we kept it at home and I forgot about it. It was in his room. One day he came screaming, running out of his room, going, Mr. Lemon, he's covered in flies. <laughs> Obviously the fruit flies had come for it. <laughs> and that was like, we had to do a funeral for about two days. 
R.I.P. <laughs> Mr. Lemony. Mr. Lemony, that was the best. That's one of my favourite stories. Love that. But you did put me on the spot there. Yeah, I, I did. No, but that's perfect. Um, yeah, brilliant. Do you know what? It's like, I think if we could take any, if anyone could take anything away from the stuff you've just said, which was perfect, is that, that we need to be a bit more understanding we need to encourage that conversation more. But also, you're so right, embracing those quirks and actually not looking negatively towards them, just altering our mindset and thinking, how can we t- how can we turn this on its head and make something positive out yeah. of this? And I honestly, thank you so much for uh, your chat. Thank you so much, Fran. That's all right, no worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you, no worries, bye. Heidi and Nicola. Hi Heidi. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. How's lockdown going? What have you been up to? Are you missing school? No. No? Not not one bit. I'm not missing I'm not missing school either to be honest. Um I'm really excited to have you on. Before I've started speaking to you, I've told everybody listening. Um, a little bit about you, Heidi, and all the amazing things that you do. Um, And we've spoken about the fact that you have ADHD and dyslexia. So what does ADHD mean to you, Heidi? It means you get, like, extra help and stuff. It does, doesn't it? So what extra help do you get? Do you get extra help at at school and things like that? When we're doing maths or English, like when we're doing something where it's trickier, I, I normally ask the teacher if you can teach in a different way and she writes on my whiteboard like the same question but in just a different way. Yeah, so it's a bit easy for you to understand. How? What about when you're at school and you've got lots of energy that you want to let out? Is there anything that, that you do at school that helps you with all your um, energy? I ask my teacher if I can go out to the hall and do some star jumps or I can play with my fidget toys. Lovely, that's perfect because I, I know that, because you're really into workouts aren't you Heidi and, and uh, fitness. I, I, in fact I'm going to ask you this, I don't even need to ask you, would you like to tell everybody how, how heavy the weights you can lift are? Because I was speaking to Heidi about this earlier. Well I can lift 24 kilograms absolutely amazing and you love CrossFit and things like that don't you so that's yeah and, yeah and I can even ca- carry my sister wow that is good You're yeah good. my four-year-old sister and my 11 year old brother Wow, so if you're that strong already, think about how strong you're going to be when you're an adult. Um, how have you found it, Mum, during lockdown? I'm going to speak to you now, Nicola. Um, how have you found during lockdown? Because, you know, we've spoken about the effects of ADHD and, and there's no denying that having a child with ADHD can be a bit tricky at times. How have you found it at home and dealing with the changes of not being at school? Um, actually, it's been quite nice. Um... I've spent a lot more time with Heidi. I've realised how much exercise and stimulation she needs. Yeah, That's yeah. one. And so we try and keep on top of that exercise and we go for jogs and she goes 
with a dad into the garage to do workouts. Yeah. And it's just um, trying to keep her busy during the day. Um, and I even go walks at the end of the day with my dog, my brother, and my dad going on our bikes. And I don't have stabilizers. Wow, that's amazing. Well done, Heidi. Uh, yeah, I've been, like, I totally get that. Even, even me as an adult, like having that extra time to sort of do things that I don't normally do, like working out or, or going for long walks and things like that, that's really cleared my brain and, and helped me to feel a lot better. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about as well is because we've spoken a bit on the podcast before and, and I've spoken, well, we'll be speaking to an, another lady about ADHD within education. Uh, and quite often schools and teachers get quite a bad rap for like helping support children. And it's, it's no secret that schools are sort of massively underfunded and at times don't have the resources they need. But you've had quite a positive experience with Heidi being at school, haven't you? Yeah, we have. Um, we lived abroad for a few years um, and moved back to England just over six months ago. And since we've been back with a diagnosis, she's had loads of support. She, we've been really lucky with the school that she's in. Uh, it's really fun. And I have lots of friends. Yeah, the teachers are just very um, understanding and allow Heidi to advocate for herself, which is the most important thing, really. And one of my teachers brings me out for handwriting. Perfect. So you're getting that you're getting that one-on-one -on -one time, Heidi. Now it's really good to to hear that you're getting that support because I know you mentioned just then about you living abroad and. Uh, we spoke about Heidi's diagnosis because you said getting a diagnosis abroad was it was quite an easy easy journey for you mm -hmm. yeah it was um I think that's because unfortunately or fortunately for us we paid privately which I know is not achievable for everybody mm -hmm. uh, and I know that achieving a diagnosis over here is a lot harder with the NHS and getting appointments and getting referrals can be tricky so we have been very fortunate yeah. that uh, Heidi got a diagnosis while we were living abroad and the school now uh, are accepting of that they've just accepted the papers uh, from the psychologist um, so we've had you know we've had quite a good journey so far and I think you mentioned about schools and getting a bad rap, rap. Uh, I agree with that and on our um, page we try and sort of have a very positive spin on teachers because they're not our enemy they're there to help yeah. us um and i think <laughs> the tricky thing is that teachers just don't receive training around adhd dyslexia. yeah that's so funny that you say that because i've, I've had a, a conversation with the other lady who works within a school as a senko and she has a child with adhd as well and i was speaking to her and she was saying that there is uh, was it one hour's worth of training that they did on autism and ADHD and that's for across the board for a lot of teachers who no teacher wants to see a child struggling most teachers want to help and and unfortunately there just isn't the opportunity there to do that so that's a really good point do you like school Heidi uh yeah yeah I I quite like school as well I would and I was gonna say to uh you mum is there anything personally that you think has really helped Heidi or, or yourself, either with the support you've had from other people or things you've learned along the way? Uh, I think what's really important is when you're a parent and you've just received diagnosis, 
is that you surround your people surround yourself with people that are similar in similar positions so support groups have been vital yeah. um lots of reading and researching and you kind of have to be um a jack of all trades once you're a parent of a, a neurodiverse child you've yeah, got to yeah. Got to know your rights you've got to know what's you know what's best to teach them how to advocate for themselves so it's you know it's a big responsibility really yeah, i agree with because i often found that difficult with having that support network is so key especially for someone like Heidi going into into adulthood as well having uh, having that feeling of, of knowing that you can reach out and talk to other people about it I think and that that's why we try and like really encourage that conversation about ADHD on this podcast because I think there's so many misconceptions surrounding ADHD and there's such a, a little education and that's why people don't really know how how to handle ADHD or how to help someone they know that might have it as well. Uh, Heidi, you come across as a really, really lovely, chatty, happy girl. Uh, but sometimes I, I wondered if ADHD has ever made it difficult for you to make friends in school or keep friends. Well, yeah, because like when I was in year two, like um, I was really bossy to my friends and like one day we had like a break so I played with my other set of friends because I have two set of friends. Yeah and I think as well I think as well sometimes it, it, we're saying bossy but sometimes like it, that shows that you're really headstrong Heidi and I'm sure you've got lots of fantastic ideas and maybe the things you're trying to say are actually quite positive. They just come across a slightly different way. What have you learned about ADHD, Nicola, about, because it's a massive learning process, even for myself, I'll never know everything there is to know about ADHD. And sometimes I really shock myself with how I behave or react to things now when I'm nearly 31. So what has it taught you, not just as a mum, but as a person as well? Right, it's taught me loads. Um, I've challenged so many of my own personal viewpoints um that i didn't even realize i had um it's it's made me a lot more tolerant a lot more open uh, uh, less judgmental of others um and it's made me come out fighting really because yeah. i have to i have to be there for heidi um you've never got in a fight before <laughs> <laughs> not actual fighting heidi all <laughs> that you know she's she gets what she needs the support that she needs and uh, it's made me very determined about nearly as determined as Heidi is yeah, yeah I and I actually outside I've actually made like me and my little sister swings on the tree and then my my brother was jealous that I made like some and then he and my dad made his oh that was nice of you well, thank you so much for speaking to me. I'm sure that lots of people are going to love listening to this. Uh, so your page is Heidi and me, our neurodiversity journey, is it? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And that's on Facebook. And to anybody who's listening, if you go over to that page, uh, these two are constantly sharing lovely stories and anecdotes and tips as well uh, for ADHD and, and dyslexia as well. So thank you so much for coming on, guys. and. Uh, yeah, I think that's because anyone who's just listening, we've had, we've had a few technical difficulties with this. So the fact that this has come out so beautifully, I'm very happy. So thank you so much.
we're happy as well and thanks for having us Emmy and thank you for being such a, a brilliant advocate of young girls with ADHD as well we and, think you're awesome and like on Facebook there's like a lots of like pictures of me climbing my door frames <laughs> <laughs> lots of pictures of you climbing door frames and yeah there are so I encourage everyone to go over and see those Heidi and me our neurodiversity journey thank you so much guys Emmy lots of love see you later bye, bye. I don't know if you heard that, but Isabel, who I work with on this podcast, often has to say action because I get really excited and, and talk far too soon and then, and then you've just lost half of my sentence. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. ADHD in education is something that means a lot to me and there are so many misconceptions surrounding ADHD and I think some of, some of, the, some of the conversation really gave more of an insight as to what it's like to be the ADHD child, what it's like to be a teacher trying to teach a child with ADHD and how we can adapt our mindset and become that bit more understanding, how we can turn it on, our, on its head and really appreciate and nourish and love those quirks of an ADHD person and how we can just be a bit nicer and how we can encourage the conversation be a bit more understanding and promote all the positive things about ADHD, not just all the negative things that you read or see in the press. I'm going to finish today with a poem, just like we did in episode one. This piece is about my journey and my experience of growing up with ADHD and what that was like in secondary school and moving into adult life. Thank you very much for listening to Ain't Broke, Don't Fix Me, the podcast. This is Youth Today. When I was young... I got a bit of a bad rep. I needed something more to motivate me to keep my brain in check. Could I measure my intelligence through national curriculum tests, but give me some open space and some music, that's when you'd see me at my best. I'd live for the moments where I created my escape out of school, off the streets, the opportunities I made. I promised to myself that I wasn't going to fail under the weight of a world that expected me to fail. You see, society's scared of different. You shine too bright, they want to dim your glow. They want to shut your mouth when you say something of worth because you might not fit the status quo. So I took the rod from my back and I cut the strings, not a puppet or one of their toys. Ripped the tape from my mouth, sent a stage with my voice because I am nobody's background noise. Now with every beat, every rhythm, every story within a move, and I'll paint it on a skyline because I've got a point to prove that I am not a criminal. And I didn't want to start a war. I just wanted to change the world with the stuff my heart beats for. And I am not a statistic. And I am not what people say. I'm the best version of me that I can be. I am the youth today. <laughs>